You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Welcome to the Essential Apple Podcast, a show where we cover the last 7 to 10 days in the world of Apple news, reviews, rumours, roundup, gossip, tech, and, well, basically, anything else that catches our eye. This is the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello everyone, it's Sunday, I've just made, come back from my shopping expedition to Lidl, and it can only mean one thing, it's time to do another podcast, and obviously joining us this week, well obviously we've got Simon, say hello Simon. Hello Simon. Why did I say say hello Simon, does it show that I'm a little bit tired? <laughs> but again, we have another truly spectacular guest, and hopefully I can get his name right, it's Dr. Bob Levitus. Did I Perfect. get that right? Hey, we got it. Oh, blimey. Dr. Bob, how are you doing on this lovely day, sir? I am awesome. Thanks for having me. And you were off the air, well, sort of before we started recording, you were just telling us about the South by Southwest is overtaken your part of the world. Yes, I live in Austin, Texas, and once a year we uh, are overrun by people from out of town. So this is the week. <laughs> it kind of means we don't go anywhere. You know, it's traffic is bad in Austin anyway. And when South by Southwest is in town, it's miserable. I think that's a polite way to put it. And also the hipster population increases tenfold as well, which can never be a good thing. No, nah, not tenfold. We got big hipster population year round. But yeah, we do get, I, I'd say of the 400,000, half of them or more are hipsters or, it's it's awful here. I mean, you can't even walk downtown. It's so crowded. The streets are like closed off and filled with people. It's it's next to impossible to get from point A to point B in any uh, any reasonable amount of time. I don't go downtown during South by Southwest so unless I'm on assignment and someone's paying me hazardous duty pay. <laughs> <laughs> so do they close the city down then or the town down where you're at? Because oh, it's like Oktoberfest. They basically just sort of give up. Um, yeah, give up work there really, for Oktoberfest. Well, I work at home, so it doesn't impact me much, except in terms of being able to go up, you know, anywhere near downtown to eat or do anything. It's like there's about a five mile radius where I just refuse to take my car during South by Southwest. People call and say, Hey, I'm going to be at South by. Want to come down and meet me? And I have to say, No, you want to come up and meet me? <laughs> There, there is a there is a grizzled veteran of the South by Southwest. Yeah. It's twenty five years now. I mean, when I was younger, I used to look forward to going and getting into the middle of it. But these days, it's just so much trouble, and everything has gotten more crowded and more expensive, and not nearly as much fun as it used to be. Uh, is, is that something that you've noticed? Then it's become a little bit more corporate as the years have gone by, or is that just because we're all getting old and we're all get, getting bitter about life? Well, I think in the early days, first of all, in the earliest days, it was just music. And then then came film and interactive, which makes it a bigger thing. Um, I think in the early days, there was a lot less corporate involvement. Uh, it was a lot of indies and small companies. And, you know, the, a lot of companies came screaming out of South by Southwest and went on to become unicorns. Like Twitter kind of birthed at South by Southwest, got its, you know, first shot of popularity. Uh, I think Uber was one that, you know, came from nowhere and then uh, came one year to South by Southwest and made a big splash. In the beginning, we didn't get that much. 
Beach. We, it was mostly about bands playing in dingy clubs down on Sixth Street. As now it it's should a, be. As it now should it's be. A, yeah. Now it's a huge, very corporate. You know, there's lots of speeches, and you know they have politicians coming in, and it's it, it tries to be a lot of things to a lot of people. And from the sound of it, it does that work then? Well, it works for it works for some of the hipsters, obviously, because the numbers are still big, but. Um, you know, locals are divided. Some of them love it and they buy a wristband and go see bands and, you know, spend $50 to park their car every day. Um, and some people like me pretty much avoid downtown for 10 days. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. Just like, There's a certain sense of irony here that with the traffic being that bad, Uber uh, came around. Yeah, well, Uber might be your best bet getting around downtown, except that I decided a couple of years ago, since I hate South by Southwest, I was going to volunteer to drive for Uber. So I drove for Uber for two weeks, and it was the two weeks of South by. So I know that that's probably your best bet for getting around. It's also very likely that you will be hit with, uh, what do they call it, surcharge for? All the surge fares. Surge, yes. We were in surge for a lot of the two weeks of uh, South by Southwest. I guess that was two years ago, three years I got, ago. I got um, I got stung by Uber once. I was in London uh, a couple of years ago, seeing a friend of mine, Carl, from the Mac and Forth podcast, and uh, I was like, I was really excited because I was in a big city, and I thought, oh, I can actually get an Uber because they were doing a promotion. And I had like the spare ten pounds in my account or something. And now, unbeknownst to me, Carl was also looking for an Uber as well. And because two of us were looking for a taxi, we suddenly got uh, surge pricing. Just to fair, I'm really going to, I know we're going completely off the topic of why you're <clears> on the show, but very, very quickly, what was it like being an Uber driver? Can you just give us a little bit of a rundown about that? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. And I heard a lot of interesting conversations. I really did it to see if maybe I could... Uh, get something I could write a column about. You know, I was hoping I would overhear something so interesting. I could write a column about going undercover as an Uber driver, <laughs> but it didn't happen. You know, I, I, I heard some drunken conversations, but <laughs> I, bet you I didn't hear a lot of those. Yeah. I didn't hear the next big thing though. You know, I, I, I thought someone would get in the back seat and talk about their top secret thing. Nothing, not a bit. <laughs> And what was a? I know you obviously can't say, but there's been a lot of stories about you know how how hard you have to work for relatively little. Did you find it like a worthwhile venture financially? Oh, absolutely not. Um, when you when you you know it seems like you're making okay money until you factor in how much it costs you to drive your vehicle. You know, people don't deduct the cost of their insurance, the cost of the gas, the the payment on the car, all of that. You know, when you when you back all of that out, it's hard to make a living. I did get an Uber. Oh God, a few months ago now. Uh, and it was late at night and it was like, why is this guy driving so slow? And it suddenly twigged then. He was in an electric car that uh, if you go over 20 miles an hour, the engine would kick in. And then he sort of was playing this game of how slow can he drive up to a traffic light just to make sure it hits red, just so he could get like an extra 20p or something like that <laughs> off us. Oh dear. So anyways, right, well, let's let's talk about you, Dr. Bob. Now it says here on your bio here, at, eight, at 30, you quit your job in advertising what sort of advertising area were you working in and what was the point where you went you know what i can't do this anymore i need to get out <laughs> i was working for an agency in los angeles and um my my client was a pay television company and i was doing uh i think four tv commercials and radio and print all at once 
every every month the creative changed because it was pay TV. It, uh, you know, every month they had different stuff to offer. So it was a you know ordinarily you work on a campaign, you work on it, you get it right, and you don't have to do much for a while. Um, this was a burnout thing. It was just every week we needed new creative. Every every month we needed new creative, and if it didn't work, we needed new creative twice a month. So. And I hated making video. I, I love the idea of making video, and that's why I went into advertising because I wanted to produce audio and video, and those are those are the skills I brought in. But young guys never get to do much of that, so I did a lot of grunt work. Um, then I got into market research for a while, and that was fun. But um, ultimately, I, I I just I realized I I'm going to be better off being self self unemployed. I'm not. <laughs> I am not a good employer, employee. Oh, I know that. I know that saying very, very well. And so it, it just became really obvious to me that if I wanted to be happy, I needed to not work for someone. I needed to figure out a way to, you know, go out on my own and make a living. And I decided writing was it. It seemed like the, the only thing I knew how to do that might, you know, might make enough money to keep the lights on. And seems to have worked out quite well for you. I have no. I I have been so blessed. I mean, not long after that, I got offered the editor in chief job at Magazine, and then when Magazine got bought by MacWorld, I got a column in MacWorld for a while. And then I was at Mac User for a while. I've written for probably every magazine that's got Mac in its name, and it's what I love to do. So yeah, it's it's worked out beautifully for me. And that sort of that's and so your path now has led you all the way down to your, your new venture, isn't it? Which is working smarter for Mac users. So just go into that a little bit. What was the, how did that idea come about? Just, you know, give us, give us the pitch for it. Tell us what it's all about. Well, from the beginning, I've always wanted to write about being productive with your Mac. Um, my first book, Dr. Macintosh, the original title was How to Become a Mac Power User. The publisher didn't like it. And when it came out, it was called Dr. Macintosh. I hated it at the time. I thought they ruined my book, but it turned out okay. It's a it's a good nickname. In fact, it's probably the best nickname a guy that does what I do could ever have. And and the book did okay in spite of not being called how to be a power user. But the the idea of showing people how to be more efficient when they sit in front of their Mac never left me. And I tried to sell it to publishers a few times, um, sometimes successfully. I did get to do Dr. Macintosh 2 uh, around 2000 or maybe 1999. It was very early in the Mac OS X era. But uh, when it came time for me to figure out what I was going to do next, I thought, you know, everybody tells me self-publishing is the way to go, that you can you can sell fewer copies and be more involved with the people that buy the book and you can keep them on your mailing list so you actually know who they are and you can send them updates. And I thought, okay, it's time for me to try self-publishing. So I wrote a book called Working Smarter for Mac Users. And it, it it's done very well. Um, self-published, available at iTunes, Amazon, and uh, from my website. And it was, it turned out, uh, it did, it did well enough to encourage me to um, do more of the same and, and <clears throat> make these things more available to more people. And the next thing I thought of was I love to teach. I, I used to teach at the University of Texas pretty much every, every uh, semester. I would teach intro to Mac, intro to film, in, intro to video using iMovie, intro to audio using GarageBand and stuff like that. And I uh, 
I just loved it. So I decided I was going to do an online class. So I did an online class last year uh, based on the first part of the book, the first third of the book. Uh, the book is divided into three parts, and the parts are efficiency, planning, and procrastination. They're about the same size. They're about equal in importance, if you ask me. So I did the first part, the efficiency part, which is the low-hanging fruit. It's the easy stuff. It's easy. Uh, it's Most of it is free. It's a lot of stuff that's built into your Mac that a lot of people don't know about. So I, I offered that last year, and it was, again, very popular, very successful, and that encouraged me to finish it and do the rest of it. Now there's three parts, uh, 72 or 73 lessons. Uh, the whole course takes about 10 hours, and it's... You know, I've just got, uh, let's see, we opened on February 20th, and there's about 20 or 20 some odd students in the class right now. I don't think anybody's finished it, but so far they're all pretty happy and moving through a pace. Awesome. Awesome. So what's been some of the feedback that you've uh, that you've been getting from, obviously you've, you've, you've been a writer, now you've gone into doing video. What's been the feedback that you've been getting? How has it been received by... Uh, those in the in the room uh, right now. I'm going to read to you from my love page. <laughs> All right, here's here's the first one. I sent a I sent a copy to Guy Kawasaki. You know who he is. He's the yep. evangelist guy, the king of evangelizers. And I, I sent him a copy and asked him if he would read it and maybe give me a comment. And he gave me a comment that said, it's no coincidence that the day after I read this book, I started working on my next book. I'll finish my book because of Bob's book. Guy Kawasaki, chief evangelist for Canva and Mercedes Benz brand ambassador. I asked him how you get to be one of those. (laughs) So, and that came on February 14th of last year. So it was my Valentine's gift from Guy. And and I really, you know, I mean that, that someone like that would read my book and actually say that it helped him get more, uh, get more organized and productive is hearts warms my heart. Uh, another guy called it a game changer. He said that he feels like he has a new lease on life. He's more productive, effective, and he's falling in love with his Mac again. There's a wealth of material here for all skill levels. Strongly urge you to try it. Uh, well done, Bob. Another guy said this book is transformational. He's a scientist with several clinical labs, and he said, uh, "Revolute, you, you showed me how to prioritize, and your MIT, which is most important task idea, has revolutionized my workday." And finally. I called this guy to, to ask him if he was giving me BS because I didn't believe his review. He said, I'm serious, Bob. I don't think I've read another book other than the Bible or the Book of Mormon that will have a bigger impact on my life. Oh, there you go. I called him up and I said, are you kidding? <laughs> are you having me on here? I'm putting your name on the quote, you know. <laughs> you better be serious. And then I, I did a survey of my students in the first shorter course and uh, – with on, on a rating scale of one to 11, because I'm a Spinal Tap fan, uh, the average rating was 9.35. So, good. yeah, I, I'm very happy with the way it's. Oh, oh, yeah. And Brian Chaffin, when he reviewed it, called it Amazeballs. <laughs> good old Brian, the king of titles. You got to love him. <laughs> the king of titles. Uh, what's so, the best so, one? Carpet bagging a... Mountie Bank, I think, was one of the ones he used one time, which I thought was rather good. <sighs> <laughs> where on earth do you go after a title like that is what i want to know well yeah i know and he comes up with a new one every every uh, podcast and uh bob has kindly let me uh sign on to the course and, and currently i'm about 35 percent of the way through um which means i've finished parts one and two and i'm about to move on to uh 
Spanish procrastination, which I suspect might be a part that helps me quite a lot. So far, uh, the the things that I've, uh, in, in the first two sections, uh, most of which I either do already or know already or have tried and don't work for me, which is all of which is uh, part of the part of the course, isn't it? You know, try it, find what works for you. Discard what yeah. doesn't work and keep what does. Um, you you did take the course. I, I recognize that. That's exactly what I say. I say, you know, not every everything I show you is going to work for every person, but the ones that do, make them a habit yep. by doing them for, you know, uh, I, I say you need to do it for about 66 days to ingrain it as a habit. But if something works for you, refine it. And if yep. something doesn't, dump it. And but that, when you get to the end, you should have a good a good quiver full of tools that will help you work uh, yeah, smarter, well, you know, smarter. like you, Bob, I've been, you know, working on the Mac since the late 80s. So an, an awful lot of stuff in the first part. So I either do already or, you know, know already or knew. Um, I did, however, take your tip to go into my email and unsubscribe and then unsubscribe a bit more. That's a great, that is one of my favorites. And if you don't already use SaneBox, look into it. It's five bucks a month, I think, but nothing does more for my email. Nothing does more to give me uh, a fast path to clearing my inbox. I I normally manage email, uh, you know, inbox zero because me too. I don't have, you know, you get 200, 300 mails a day. I probably get 10 to 20. So um, how do I do that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, you funny. become you become an unknown podcaster like me. <laughs> the problem is most of my email addresses have been around for at least ten years now, and, yep. and so you know they they get polluted, but you can't really get rid of them. Here's what's nice What's nice is though, Sanebox. As soon as I decide something is is uh, going in the black hole, I never hear from that sender again. Yeah, that, it's like that's like magic. Excellent. And five bucks a month just for that, I would pay. I would it, pay five bucks here a month is just a tip. To do that. Here is a tip for you then, Bob. Okay. Courtesy of Andy J, our um, Slack Room forensic, uh, digital forensic expert and security tipster, and that is get a 33mail.com account. Okay. And 33mail, it's free, and mm-hmm. you sign up. They give you a domain, which is like, in my case, serenac.33mail.com, and then okay. when you need to sign up for things which you suspect might give you lots of spam, you you can put anything you like at the front. So if you think it's a site that's likely to spammy, you can you can enter your email as a spammy site at, in your case, probably levitas.33mail.com. And uh, that's forwarded to uh, email address of your choice. Mm-hmm. But of course, it will come saying forwarded from a spammy site at, and so I'm you can filter those out. I'll have to out. check that out. But I have to say, I'm already kind of doing that because I have a couple of uh, email accounts that are what they call catch-alls. Oh, yes. And that means I can make up any first name for it. And yep. if that name gets too uh, spam- spamified, I retire it and just yeah. put it directly well, into the spam that's, folder. That's basically what 33mail.com does. Um, but Only because I'm running two mail servers can I get away with that. Yeah, but but you know, for um, most people, 33 that. 33mail.com sounds like a simpler solution. It's it's fabulous. Basically, you need never give away your real email address ever again. So there you go. There's a top tip from Andy Joe. That is a good tip. Uh, it's been good. We have, we also had a another anonymizer. Uh, basically, gone. I can't remember what the site is, Simon. What, we go um, on there and it creates. 
that's the one where basically you get to create a fake persona complete with address, credit card. Oh, no, that's 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 fake name generator dot com. That <laughs> that's the one where you can get that's... a whole thing and it gives you all everything you need. The security answers, the your, your favorite color, what car you drive, your pet, everything. Did Fantastic. you know that you can make aliases on your uh, Mac.com or, or Me.com or whatever? Your yes, it did, yeah. Yep. You can yep. make aliases. So I'm Haywood Jabuzoff <laughs> at Mac.com. That's one that I use for spamming. And so far, it's acceptable how much I get back from it. So I haven't retired it yet. Haywood Jabuzoff. Quite right. Yeah, yeah, all of these techniques, of course, are brilliant ways to then filter out rubbish. Correct. I, and funnily enough, this this has actually inspired me now. Whilst we're all talking, I'm going right, right, disdain for after the show. Go through, just unsubscribe from everything. It's like I don't need a million uh, emails from Twitter to say highlights of the week or the medium daily digest. Well, email. exactly. And I went through and I found. I, I thought, well, I'm sure I don't have many, but I found, right, you know, I've got e-buyer, I've got uh, Premier Inns, I've got, you know what I mean? Now, they're all things that just send you maybe one every two or three days or one a day, but I just find that every day I'm just clicking on not interested, not interested. Why, why am I even bothering to receive them? Just click unsubscribe. Yes. FOMO, that's why, FOMO. FOMO, fear of missing out. I, I tell you, I stay on a lot of lists that I probably ought to unsubscribe to only because I'm afraid when I unsubscribe, the one thing that I want to know will, <laughs> will be on tomorrow's uh, it will, mailing. It will come so on tomorrow, yeah, exactly. I probably still get about a couple hundred mailings from a couple hundred entities but I trimmed it way back from probably many hundreds. I've been I've been trying to unsubscribe to at least ten a week, and I think I'm caught up now because I couldn't find anything I wanted to unsubscribe to last week or this week. So it gets mine's it. pretty cleaned up, but it I, took a while. I, I'm work. I'm definitely I'm working on mine. Hopefully, we're getting there. I'm just looking at um, look, just oh, yes. Focus on the podcast. Go back to emails later. So, Doctor Bob. So. I know, you can't, I know we can't actually do much about the content. Yeah, don't go down the rabbit hole, see? Yeah. Yeah. See, Bob offered you a go on this course. I told you you should sign up. You need to sign up. I'm you are still to... welcome to it, Mark. Let me oh. know after the show if you want to take it. Well, I thought the reason why I didn't take it is because I thought if Simon and me had like both taken it, then that may sort of give us some editorial bias, like saying, oh, yes, we've both, we've both been given a, a show um, to try and focus on. Yeah. We'll try and focus on talking about you and what the, you know, what you're all about and what you've done, rather than sort of like say, yeah, we both used it, we both love it. Uh, you know, well, you're welcome. Good. You're welcome to take the course afterwards, anyway. <laughs> yes, I will do because the the procrastination and the ADHD and the lack of focus are things I definitely struggle with. Well, is that, um, so, for what for what it's worth, uh, and I'll I'll explain it because obviously I'm on it. There are a uh, hundred and. 47 short videos is that right according to me that's what it says um no and... i think it's all there's 73 is it videos. oh is it 147 does that include the oh, 147 <laughs> includes all the pdfs because right, there's a transcript yeah. of every lesson that you can download and keep and you know make notes on and do stuff like that okay so there's 147 parts um and i am at 48 so far and that's okay so you're about two-thirds of the way through the lessons you've got uh, from 48 you've got 58 68 and then 70 so you have about 25 lessons left so you're probably at the very beginning of part three i'm about to start part three which is yeah. a, which is a part i think would probably help me quite a lot 
Is it just uh, again? I haven't been on this, so I, that be, um, just to give fair disclosure, is it just about uh, working on the Mac, or does it include anything like the iPhone or um, iPad? Well, it it does cross over in some cases. Uh, I tried to keep it on the Mac because I'm trying to talk about like work productivity, but. Uh, there's a bunch of places where if you've got an iPhone, I'll tell you that this is easier to do on your iPhone or do this on your iPhone, and it'll be on your Mac when you get back. Um, it, it covers the spectrum of Apple stuff, but its focus is definitely Mac. Although it's I may actually do a, a separate part to the course for iPhone users because there's enough working smarter stuff on the iPhone that I think I could do another maybe hour course on just how to use your iPhone to work smarter. That's on my list of things to explore for next. I think and the other thing is a lot a lot of the a lot of the principles work regardless to be honest. It, it is about working on your Mac, but it doesn't have to be because the things about how to focus on dealing with your email and not letting it become a distraction and drag you down a rabbit hole, how to it's, plan your day. Yeah. I mean, that works those, no matter what OS you're using. And that, that works for anything. It doesn't matter whether you're working on a Mac, a Windows machine, or, or lead an abacus, to be honest. <laughs> I had a friend yesterday who took the course who's more of a PC guy ask me if I had any plans to do working smarter for Windows users. And I said, I, I don't because I don't have that skill set. I've never owned a Windows machine, so I I'd be the last guy to write it. However, if I could find somebody that wanted to convert it, it wouldn't be a very hard conversion because the things that are mostly duplicated on, on, on Windows, I just don't know the names of what does the same thing as, say, Text Expander or yeah, exactly. uh, Keyboard Maestro. You know, uh, there's not there's not that much that's absolutely Mac only. You can't do it on another device. A lot of this advice, if you could ignore my specific recommendations for software and hardware, would transfer to any operating system and really oh, almost yeah. any device. Very much. And a lot right. of the stuff in part three is very generic because part three is about using the Pomodoro technique. <laughs> which means setting a timer. I mean, you don't have to have a Mac to set a timer. I show you some really cool software that, that helps with it on the Mac, but really a kitchen timer will work. And all you need is a kitchen timer and a plan and you're in business. I've actually heard of that technique. I can't recall what it is, but it's one of the things I was looking into for work. You're about to learn more about it. It's in part three. That's like the focus of part three. I will admit, I have sort of tried to sort of do this whole uh, working smarter, not harder, but I don't know. Some of the apps just don't seem to uh, work the way I want them to. So I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Um, I try and get rid of all my posts now. And by, by that, I don't like having paper around the house because I've just got too much of it. So I go down to the post box, open up my mail, uh, and then I use Scanner Pro to scan it because it does the whole thing of recognizing the page uh, and then i want to shove it around dropbox the first the scanning and the app works really well but then it's just it's so fiddly just trying to store it somewhere that's the bit i just it's that last thing where i just wish it was just a little like a little bit easier so the task became a bit of a no-brainer and it could just happen rather than uh right so i've got a tap here tap here tap here and tap here but that's probably just a me problem is that well i don't know if you could solve that with um keyboard maestro but you probably could and you could probably automate the whole thing so that you could just have one keystroke trigger the whole the whole sequence but the problem with problem with macros and and with creating these uh, like 
automator flows and things is if it takes you six hours to troubleshoot it and get it right, are you going to save six hours over the life? You know, I mean, some of this stuff, you spend a lot of time trying to figure out how to automate and you spend more time trying to make it work right than you're ever going to save with it. Yeah. So you got to you got to choose your battles carefully with that automation stuff. But that well, sounds like one that wouldn't be that hard because there's not that many steps. No, it's a it's a classic. You know, watch out for rabbit holes. Everything is watch out for rabbit holes. <laughs> you know, like like you, you know, I found this occasionally. Uh, there are certain people who you know what you need is an organizing app to help you get stuff organized. The trouble with that is often you get sucked into that and uh, well, I need to like what no, what categories do I want? What do I <laughs> what do I put in what box? And how do I how do I make a workflow? And then you realize you spent a whole day fiddling about. But you time. haven't done a bit of work. No, you know, you, it's funny. I make done that nothing about figure out how you're going to get more organized. Yeah, no. That's I make that point in the book. I've got, I've obtained every, uh, every app ever that's supposed to organize your life and help you be more focused and stuff like that. And the, the big ones, the ones that cost real money that everybody loves, sucked up so much of my time trying to get them to work the way I wanted to, that I eventually came to the conclusion that Apple Reminders does everything I need and nothing I don't need. And so it's it's just about perfect for my to-do list needs. Now then, I use something completely different though for planning my work days. Yeah. A to-do list and a plan are two different things. Definitely. And it, so it's, it, it, it's like these, you know, it's like these, I don't know, journaling apps or whatever. There are some people who, you know, religiously write a journal, whether they do it longhand, you know, in a traditional uh, paper journal, whether they do it online, whether they do it on their phone, whatever. And there are other people who every year buy a journal. So this year I'm going to use a journal. And by the end of the first week, they've thrown it in the bin because <laughs> they're just not journaling people. And if it doesn't work for you, stop banging your head on the brick wall trying to do it. Give it up. Spend your time on something that works for you. Well, uh, just going into a little bit about productivity, one of the things I struggle with is, is the to-do list um, apps because I work remotely with a good friend of mine, a good colleague. We run a business together and we have a to-do app, but then we end up having a conversation in the to-do app. And I haven't quite worked out as if we're having a chat in the to-do app, does that mean that we haven't actually got an action ready or should we be looking at a different platform? So I haven't quite worked that one out, but we, we got into a good groove the other day just to about collaboration because I was doing designing on drop uh, designing on my Mac. Uh, I then upload the artwork to Dropbox um, and we could sort of like just do iterations of showing you know, the progress of the of the file that was going along. And that was really, really good because then you had a thread of chat per picture and I knew exactly where I was at all times. There's probably a much, uh, much more efficient way to do it. I could have just live streamed, it, I suppose, but it works. And so I just thought I'd share that little bit of a productivity. And that's what it's, that's what it's all about is finding those little things that make it easier. You, I, I call efficiency doing something better, faster, or more elegantly than you used to. Yeah. And and so, you know, that's that's one of the things that tickles me is when you find some place where you can shave off some time by doing it a little differently. You know, I just love finding those things. And it, it's been great because we've started, um, um, Andy last week on the, on the show was talking about silos and data silos. And then I realized that we we have sort of done that we've compartmentalized and whereas i normally hate using different services for things so for example just for the sake of ease of use i've got all of my cv stuff on 
uh, on OneDrive, but I do all of my artwork in Dropbox. But then all the documents and stuff that we work on together are in Quip. And it, it seems in a way counterintuitive, but for us, we've just sort of really worked out, right, okay, I know where this file is, this document is. And even at times, I've been sent a file going, oh, I completely forgot we had that. So the fact that I'm forgetting someone else can remind just sort of shows, hopefully, um, that our workflow is working. Well, if it works for you, Mark, that, that's the whole thing. I, I don't have a problem with putting things in different services. In fact, in some you know, services are just more folders, aren't they? It's just a way of saying, okay, you know, the podcast stuff lives in this folder on OneDrive and my photographs live somewhere on Dropbox and, you know, I have things that are put in Mega and so on and so forth. It's just a way of dividing it up. So let's let's go on to some software then. So, Doctor Bob, what is what are some of your little daily driver apps that you can tell us about and not give away any of your content for free? Oh, I give away almost all my content for free. That's the funny <laughs> thing is, you know, I, I I give away almost all of it. But if you want it in a continuous, contiguous, uh, organized, uh, properly delivered fashion, you need to take the course. But I have a newsletter, a weekly free newsletter. I post a lot of stuff. Uh, I tend to give away more than more than I keep to myself. So here's here's my daily drivers. Um, a couple of the big ones are Text Expander. I think Text Expander might be my number one pick for uh, doing more work in less time. The more you use it, the more time you save. And there's so many things you type multiple times a day that text expander or type it for me or type or whatever it is you like to use. But using snippets um, is a big key to becoming more proficient and faster at a lot of things. Plus it, it makes you more accurate. Um, like when I use text expander to type an email address or a phone number or, or a snail mail address, it gets it right every time. When I type it by hand, Eh, I'm Not a pretty so good much. typist, but yeah, well, you know, you can make mistakes. So I, yeah. I think text expander is one of the first things I absolutely, uh, same thing with uh, keyboard maestro. I used to be a quickies guy. I love macros. I love the idea of, you know, if I'm going to do this thing and it takes six clicks in a menu selection and I have to do it 14 times a day, why don't I make that so I only have to do one keystroke and the, the computer does the rest. And so Keyboard Maestro has really become my uh, macro maker of choice for automating <clears throat> things that aren't easily automated otherwise. So you can use Automator to do a lot of the same things, but I find Keyboard Maestro um, much deeper and it offers more, more different kinds of triggers and it has a recorder that works pretty well. So all the little stuff I do all day um, that can be codified into a macro is so I can open Word and type the date so that the next thing I do is whatever needs to be written there. I don't have to find Word. I don't have to click new. I don't have to do anything. You know, I have one keystroke that gets me started on a new document for whatever. I have uh, key keyboard shortcuts to open the folders that I need regularly. I have keyboard shortcuts that uh, type boilerplate text. Keyboard, let me look. I have tons of keyboard shortcuts. Here we go. Here's some more. Um, open all my favorite apps. Every one of my favorite apps, the 10 apps, let's say, that I use all the time every day, each has its own keystroke so that rather than having to even hit command tab twice, I can just hit the keystroke for the app I need and it comes to the front and I start working on it. Um, oh, I've got just lots of, lots of stuff. I have lots of, uh, like I have, all right. So <clears throat> when you're, when you're working, you can, 
you can um, press return to select the default button in a dialog, right? But what if you want to press don't save? Command D. Well, Mostly. it works sometimes. <laughs> but I've got a macro that does it with control shift D in case. So I can always hit don't save when I need it. Um, the same thing for, I've got uh, a bunch of different apps wired up. I'm just looking, I've got 16 apps that have, I, I actually forget some of the shortcuts. But if I need to be in Photoshop, I know that it's control F4. If I need to be in Word, it's control F5. If I need to be uh, in the browser on my uh, mail, mail providers page, that's control F13. And once you get the hang of that, you don't have to take your fingers off the keyboard or, uh, you know, hunt around for something. I also use um, Alfred. I used to use, what was the other one? Launch Bar. I like these guys that do instant launching. You can do a lot of it also with Spotlight, but I like to just hit a keyboard shortcut and type something and have my Mac find it and open it for me. And I found both uh, Alfred and Launch Bar are superior to the built-in spotlight searching because they both use some sort of artificial intelligence and machine learning to predict what you want by what you've typed. Um, there's, uh, there's another one as well. This one that's very popular. Is it Quicksilver? Quicksilver is another one that has the same thing. You, you hit a keyboard command, a box pops up, you type a few letters, and it knows what you want. So I, I, I advise everybody to get one of those. Um, Quicksilver is actually pretty deep. It's 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 got a lot of rabbit holes. <laughs> I, I'm serious. It's like you could really spend a lot of time trying to get it configured just right. Um, I don't know that anything else is that much better though. I, I think they're all. If you want to tweak them, they all have rabbit holes for you. But I, I know that both Launch Bar and uh, Alfred, right out of the box, if you don't do anything, they're still really useful. And I think they both have free free trial type things. Launch bar is free forever, but it uh, it occasionally nags you. And mm, Alfred is, I think, the basic app is free, and then they have a power pack that supercharges it for like twenty five bucks. Either one would be really worth trying. Um, and I think once you get the hang of it. That's how you do a lot of, you'll do a lot of things. You know, you don't even have to create a macro. If you know you're looking for a particular document, after about the second or third time you type a few characters and open it, the app knows that's what you're looking for. So if I were looking for working smarter, as soon as I type W-O-R, it would start, what was the last working smarter thing you opened? Rather than just presenting a list of things that started with W-O-R, which on my hard disk would be a lot of things. Yeah. It also knows stuff like when I type P-H-O, it knows I want Photoshop, even though the app's name on my disk is Adobe Photoshop. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that, those yeah. are the sort of things that really help, aren't they? Because and, and it gets smarter. You know, the more you use it and the more you correct it and the more you pick the right thing from the list, the smarter it gets about predicting your next thing. So, you know, it's kind of like a self, self-fulfilling prophecy. Use it all the time and it will just get better. I'm actually inspired to go and give it a go. I've, it's it's weird because I've I've always heard about these apps, but I've always gone, oh well, I'll be not really bothered. But now I'm listening to you and actually hearing about what it can do, rather than just sort of you know reading a web page about it. Uh, yeah, I'm inspired. I'm give going it a try. Go go download Launchbar or Alfred or or try them both. Try one one week and the other the next week. They both work very similar. Have similar feature sets. 
You may prefer the interface of one over the other. They each have a couple of exclusive tricks that the other one doesn't have, but they're both great for learning what you want and getting it for you with maybe three or four, typing three or four characters. And I'm just having a look now, and this actually might be another week where we actually have some handy, helpful news. On the Mac App Store, the only version I could find there was version 1.2, last updated in May 2012. But if you go to the website, which is alfredapp.com, there's version 3 on there. And obviously that's due to the old sandboxing malarkey. Yes, yes. And I don't think Launch Bar was ever in the Mac App Store. You just get that from, I think, Launch Bar. Let me think. He's a German. So what's German? Launch Bar. This is the second oh, it's objective, objective Development. Yeah. Uh, obdev.at, I think Thank it is. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe it's not Germany. What's AT? Uh, yes. <laughs> Who knows? Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I, yeah, so I'm I'm definitely inspired to give these a go, and like I say, it's just nice to hear. It's it's always I think when you hear about apps coming from developers or people that use them, I think it's always a nice sense of reassurance because you can hear people talk about them, and then you can actually visualize. Ah, oh, right, yes, it makes you think, it makes you want to try things, uh, and break the mold of how you would normally do something or how you normally sort of react in a situation. I think. Right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go th- give those a try. Right, I'll tell you what we'd do as we've been going for half an hour, and I think I, we could all do with a cup of tea. Let's roll some Nemo's hardware for a couple of minutes, and then we'll be right back and we'll tackle a little bit more with Bob, and then we'll do a couple of stories based loosely around the world of Apple. So, John, over to you. John Nemo here on location, as you can hear from all the background noise, the birds chirping and the bees buzzing. I want to thank Simon for reposting the hardware store from last week with those excellent cables from WIP Labs. And make sure you listen to that because those cables are excellent, especially that one with the magnetized three different options as far as the tip is concerned. This week we have a brand new product from a brand new company. It's so new. I don't even know what the prices are, so we will find that and we will post that on our website as soon as the prices are made available to us, hopefully by the time this podcast goes live. There's four cases. They're natural leather, actual real leather that came from a beast. The company is called Saddleback Leather Company, and that website is saddlebackleather.com, S-A-D-D-L-E-B-A-C-K, L-E-A-T-H-E-R, saddlebackleather.com. We received four cases. One is the iPhone 8 hands-free sport case in small, and one is the iPhone 8 Plus hands-free sport case in large. And then the iPhone 7 and 8 Plus and the 7 and 8 standard photographer's leather case. Let's talk about the sport cases first. Those are the easiest. Removing it from the package definitely is real leather. It's bendable and flexible and very natural and well-treated. And you can tell this is an organic product. It's leather with cotton stitching. And it provides protection for the back of your case and bumpers along the bottom and the top. The sides are exposed and there's a hole in the back for the camera. So it's very basic, flexible, 
leather. It says made in old Mexico on the inside. You slide your case in here and it is protected with an organic leather protection. The front is exposed. The sides are exposed. Charging port on the bottom is exposed. The top is also exposed for the ports. So a lot of exposure, medium amount of protection, but the protection that it gets is from real leather. We have this in both sizes, one in a medium brown and one in a dark brown. The main event also comes in two sizes. Photographer's leather case, again, for the 7 and the 8 phone. They did not send one for the 10 phone, but I'm sure we'll be seeing that soon. And this is ingeniously low-tech stamped saddleback leather on the back, and it's a very thick, double-thick piece of leather with a long leather lanyard or neck strap, really long, that comes out of it that you just tie to adjust it to your height, and then you just slide your phone in. You literally slide your phone in using two old-fashioned corners at the top and two old-fashioned leather corners at the bottom, and the corners are the same leather as that long neck strap. It's going to be difficult to describe, but once it goes live on their website with the pricing and the photos, you will be able to check this out at SaddlebackLeather.com. Let's put this on right now, just a second. Enormously long leather strap. Put it around my neck, and I can tie it to shorten it. Then I take my iPhone 7 or 8, slide it in to the top and the bottom angled sliders, pull it nice and snug, put in my business card or my driver's license or a credit card in the back, and I am ready to go out for a day of photography. So I can even sling it around my shoulder. So well done, Saddleback Leather, on your thickness, your stitching, your sewing, your use of pure organic treated leather materials. I'm sure we will have more to report on your company once the website goes live and pricing is available. So watch SaddlebackLeather.com and stick around here at EssentialApple.com to get the updates on this and all of our products in Nemo's hardware store. So let's slide our phones in here and let's go take some pictures. Back next week. Well, thank you, John. And John has asked me to tell all of our listeners that uh, the prices which were not available at the time he recorded the hardware store, the photographer's case is $39 US for the 7 and 8, and the plus size version is $43, and that's the one with the long uh, strap, and the hands-free is $29 for the 8 and $34 for the 8 plus. So there you go. Uh, The details will be in the show notes and of course the show notes will be on our website when i post the show so uh mark you've got something to say i think yes uh right so dr bob he's just been off and made a cup of tea and as he was away he left me a, a bit of a strange message but we well, obviously he's taking sense of his leave because we have an exclusive exclusive offer well actually i don't know if it's exclusive i shouldn't say that but 
If you've been slightly tempted by working smarter for MacUsers.com, if you've been a Mac user for quite a while, or maybe just sort of thinking, well, you know what I could do of expanding my knowledge or learning something new, or even just looking for something to read to get some productivity from your Mac, you could go to places like Vimeo or YouTube, and you are going to find a lot of stuff there. And some of it's okay. A lot of the audio could be crummy. The production techniques aren't the best. I know because I've been off trying to find some stuff recently, and I even signed up for... Uh, it was a website that was mentioned on a very, very popular podcast with Ruber. The audio is bad. The pro production quality is bad. There are jump cuts all over the place. I've just had a look at the videos. And honestly, Dr. Bob stuff is, there's a lot of effort that's gone, in, gone into it. So if you're looking to do something a bit more with your Mac, well, we can help you out with that because Dr. Bob is giving us 60% off his course. That's $300 off the RRP. And all you have to do is go to the website, workingsmarterformacusers.com. Go in, add the cart. Create your account. Uh, I, there is a mailing list option there, but that's fine because, well, as we all hate spam, I'm pretty sure Dr. Bob does as well. Just put in the code SAVE60. That's all you have to do to save 60% off the uh, off the course price. Uh, so that's working smarter for MacUsers.com and get 60% off. And we will have a, um, a login right on this very website. If you look at your phone now, we'll have it. We'll even put a chapter in to take you exactly there to go and uh, to go and have a look. So, Doctor Bob, thank you very much for doing that for us. Uh, hey, uh, my, my pleasure. It's our grand opening month. That's the first time I've ever done uh, an on-the-spot commercial read of that I just made up off the top of my head. So hopefully that was okay for you. And, oh, uh, that was awesome. And that's good I, to the end of the month, Mark. Yes. yes. So you've so if you're whatever so if you're downloading this podcast in the future, tough. But I dare say keeping on his Twitter and on the website because you know, these marketing types can be a bit crafty. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I am definitely playing with offers. So yeah, and get on my mailing list because. If you're on my newsletter list, whatever offer I make to anybody, I'll match to the newsletter subscribers. So they've already had a better offer than this. I'm not going to offer them 60% off because I already offered them, I think, 80% off. But the thing is, I do experiment with pricing and the newsletter subscribers are the first to get deals. So if I have something new, they generally get to try it first for a big discount and once I, you know, once I'm happy, I open it up to the, to the world. So uh, also 30 day money back guarantee. There's no risk, uh, regardless of what you pay. If you're not getting a lot out of it, if it's not working for you, if, if I'm not making you a raging thunder lizard of productivity, uh, you're welcome to ask for a refund within 30 days. No questions asked. I'm happy to say nobody's done that yet, but maybe I jinxed myself. I'm knocking on, <laughs> I'm knocking on wood. All okay. right. And, uh, Bob, could you could you tell the listeners where to get your free newsletter? Yes, if you go to workingsmarterformacusers.com/join, there's a form there. But if you just go to workingsmarterformacusers.com, if everything's working properly, one of those obnoxious things will drop down and ask you for your email. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. So, should we try a bit of Apple news? Yes, I was going to say. Shall we move on to some of the stories? Yeah, the, the one that, uh, let's have a look at what's our running time for the day. Ah, uh, 50 minutes, we can we can bash out a couple. Dr. Bob, are you a VPN user at all or anything like that? Not really. Um, I've looked at them, and the thing is, I rarely do anything 
when I'm out of house uh, that would require me to need a VPN. Um, Simon, you're going to have to feel for a sec because I've just lost my screen. It's just turned off and I can't get it to turn back on. All right. Well, um, obviously, as you uh, as listeners will know, I'm quite uh, a big proponent of VPNs. If uh, if for nothing else, Bob, if you happen to be in the coffee shop, you should always use a VPN. Whatever you're doing, you should have a VPN. Um, This is true. And unless I don't use their Wi-Fi. Well, that is also true. But I've um, (laughs) if you're in the coffee shop and you're using the free Wi-Fi, then you should be using a VPN. Absolutely. We have we have quite heavily on this show uh, pushed two uh, particular VPNs that have a free level of service, which will do most users for uh, casual down at the coffee shop or uh, in the shopping mall kind of usage, and that's been TunnelBear and ProtonVPN. Now, we've had a little bit of bad news, really, uh, this week, because um, it's come to light that TunnelBear have been acquired by McAfee. Now, I'm not a big fan of McAfee. Uh, It turns out, something I didn't know, uh, that McAfee actually belongs to Intel, or at least Intel own uh, 49% of McAfee, and have done since 2011. However, um, whatever the reason, I think it's a a bitter blow that TunnelBear has been acquired by by somebody else. And... uh, I think a lot of TunnelBear users will be not renewing their subscriptions. I know several of our listeners have already told me that um, that TunnelBear being acquired by a you know a big corporate means that they're going to bail out and probably shift to Proton. Um, and just a quick promo for ourselves here: uh, Doctor Andy Yen of Proton will be coming on this show to give us an interview quite soon. So there you go. Um, I don't know what to add going, to that. It's been going because um, I think when we tweet, I must have done a tweet the other week and uh, I, I logged into TunnelBear and I actually got free data because you, you can actually get like a little bit of a top up just by tweeting. And oh, yes. There. So whoever clicked on my link in the uh, on Twitter, feed, thank you very much. Because when I was out the other night, I could be browsing away uh, all safe and smug going, ha ha, no one's seeing um, my details. Um, I'm going to give Proton VPN a try, but my lord, that is a complete ball ache to install. There I'm afraid are so many hoops to go through. I'm afraid setting it up is not the easiest. Uh, that is true. That is true. But it's a very good service and it's free. And uh, I did write a piece on how to set it up, and it's on the website. Go take a look. Uh, I, well, yeah, I think that's one of the things. And also, the other one that I sort of liked. Uh, was NordVPN. But what we'll do is we'll have a chat with our very own Dougie slash Andy slash fitness expert in the chat room, and we'll see what he comes back and recommends. Uh, well, his, his, his top recommendation, I think, other than TunnelBear, is private internet access. Ah, uh, yes. And we will have a link to that in the show notes as but well. But I think, yes, um, no, maybe, maybe it won't make a difference. Maybe it will. But for me, it's a bit of a sad day. The Canadian company TunnelBear has now been a you know, acquired by a massive corporate under the name McAfee. And I, I suspect uh, the world will be somewhat poorer for that, I'm afraid. Does Intel have such a good record for taking on new stuff and not just abandoning it or cocking it right up. Ugh, right, dear. well, there we go. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Apple News. Apple News. Um, uh, well, 
well, I'll tell you, there's a story. Um, right, so obviously, Dr. Bob, you do um, quite a bit, and you mentioned Photoshop earlier on. Um, have you heard about this story that Android have decided to join Apple in adopting? Uh, now, let's try to represent this right. Heifer. Heifer, yeah. <laughs> oh, the high, stuck, the yeah. high energy impact something. I don't know what it is. The, the, the image format. Dave. Yes, the high, image format. High efficiency image format. Yes. That's it. That's it. I had not heard it until I looked at the show notes, <laughs> but I think that's really great for that file format because it's really wonderful on my iPhone and it's going to be nice if everybody can, you know, if I don't have to convert stuff to send it to people. Well, I mean, at Apple at the moment have got this thing, haven't they, where if if you have a picture and it's it, by default everything on the iOS and uh, iSierra, I think, it now uses uh, the high efficiency version but if you send it to something which it suspects is outside the apple ecosphere it re-encodes it to jpeg but correct that's correct um it's it's <clears throat> i think it's a great thing uh android has agreed to uh go with h-e-i-f and that's just good news for everybody not just android users it's great that android users get to bring in but like anything like uh you know h264 or h265 or even the original JPEG. It it needs, you know, we need standard formats. And the more that a format is adopted by everybody, the better for everybody it is. Oh, I agree. To, to, to Amen. JPEG. I, I remember the days of dealing with BMPs, then GIFs came along, and then suddenly this little thing called a JPEG came along. And that, that I mean, that that wasn't like an overnight success. Oh, no. That did take time to trickle down. And it's really nice to see that Apple have sort of led the way. Uh, in, obviously, they haven't led the way in this format, but putting it onto their phone and now everyone sort of not copying but following suit, it, like you said, is uh, only a very good thing. Well, yeah, the, the, the HEIF is... I believe uh, I'm not sure who developed it. I, it may even be the JPEG boys themselves. I mean, JPEG is Joint Photograph Graphic Experts Group, and MPEG is the move, <laughs> Moving Image uh, Experts Group. But uh, yeah, you know, standard standard file formats are a boon to everybody. Uh, Bob, I'm sure, is like me, has worked on the Mac long enough to remember the days when uh, file formats from Windows were a complete and utter pain to get onto the Mac and vice versa. And we used to have to have special programs that would uh, cross-translate things from format to format. Thankfully, most of that is long <laughs> gone. You know, oh we used to have yeah, things like can opener and, um, oh, what was the one? Uh, something, something for Mac, wasn't there? Uh, uh, I remember what you're talking about. It was up to version like 16 when it went away. Yeah, um, because it was, it was like you could throw pretty much data in. viz. Data viz. Yeah, yeah, and uh, there, there was another one as well. Anyway, like translate for Mac or something, it was called, and you could take pretty much any file format and throw it in there, and it would it would give you a, some options to spit it out in Mac friendly uh, versions. In the days when uh, a dot doc on Windows was not the same as a dot doc on Mac. <laughs> Ugh, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember those days. It's gotten better now. I mean, like even like the standard Microsoft file formats, they've gotten better. Um, we, I mean, the other week I was working on a PowerPoint presentation, and it was great to be able, uh, for once, to be able to start on the PC, uh, switch over to the iPad, do a load of work on the iPad, then sort of drop in, uh, and then basically they went back to work and then carried on on it back on another yeah. PC. So. 
it's, you know, it's nice as things are sort of coming around slowly. Well, yeah, it's it's uh, gotten a lot better. And by the way, the HEIF format was part of the MPEG group, and it's defined by MPEG H Part Twelve. All right, very good. So you and, know, and there's a video version. Yep. HEVC. Yep. Uh, high. Uh, yeah. High, high efficiency, efficiency video, codec. video codec. Yeah. Right. Uh, which is Dr. Bob's got an iPhone 10. Which is I do. Of course, he's oh. got an iPhone 10. And I had a survey on on uh, Facebook the other day. How many times have you accidentally made a screenshot when you meant to lock your phone? Because the the way that m- my hand goes around it, about half the time when I go to lock it, I also press the volume button and get a screenshot. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it was 66% yes, 33% no. <laughs> um, but I always ask this to everyone who's got a, uh, a an iPhone 10. Go on. How good is it? Do you like it? Yes. Uh, you know, here's the thing. I'm uniquely qualified to like it. I walked around for two months with an iPhone 10 in one pocket and an 8 Plus in the other because I didn't know which one I wanted. And I, I, I thought, you know, the, the thing for me is going to be the camera because the size doesn't really make much difference to me. I, I, I'm used to carrying a plus size phone. So the, the, the 10 is a little bit smaller, but it's got a little bit more, a few more pixels. And I don't know. I wasn't sure. So I carried one in each pocket. I took two long trips. I was in Chicago for five days and Denver for five days and shot a ton of photographs with each, sometimes with one in each hand. <clears throat> and when I got when I got done and I looked at all the photos and, you know, thought about the experience, there was no question for me. And if you go to uh, Mac Observer, I'll get you the URL. I wrote a two-part review after after spending two months with one phone in each pocket. <clears throat> and my... my uh, at the end, it was it was just there was no question for me. It's not that much more money if you're going to buy an eight plus with a, a full load of of uh, storage for a couple hundred more bucks. You can be in the ten. That really at that price point isn't that big a deal. Paying nine hundred or eleven hundred, I mean, yeah, it matters, but not that much. Not that much to me. Not not enough to use the inferior camera to save a few dollars. And that's the thing. I don't use my SLR anymore. I shoot almost, uh, you know, by the way, thank you for the compliment on the quality of the videos. I'll have you know that much of that was shot on an iPhone 10. No way. Yeah, and, because, and, and, and I, because honestly, I get better results from it than my SLR in my office. As far as shooting with the lights that I use and and the 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 stands that I have and everything else, the iPhone actually gives me a better picture than a Canon DSLR or I have a Vixia like video camera. Uh, HD video camera, and it's the focus and and uh, really everything about it is inferior to the iPhone 10. And in fact, the iPhone 8 even shoots better than than a dedicated video camera. So, I halfway through, I stopped using the video camera and started using two iPhones. Blimey. I honestly didn't know that when I say about the quality of the videos I had absolutely no idea I will admit it it is a lot of money but if I could I would I, I genuinely think that it's enough of a, a geek sort of I, I, this is going to sound really daft but it's enough of a new phone to make me go Oh, I like that. It's, it's like the new iPads. Again, I've been able to, I've been really lucky to be able to do the iPad Pro uh, 
every now and again. And the more I start using it, the more I start playing with it, it's like, yeah, I need to get rid of my iPad Air original and just get a Pro. Don't really know where I was going with that story, if I'm honest. So, <laughs> well, uh, in other problem. words, yeah. In other words, you like the iPhone 10, as does everybody. I don't think. Other than the the clickbaity stories you hear was like, oh, I tried, uh, I almost gave up on Android if it wasn't for this one feature. Generally, it's it's like um, it's like a simmering undercurrent where everyone's actually going, yeah, you know what, I really like this phone. I I just generally think it just doesn't get enough credit. I really oh, I do. just think, well, at the minute, it, with if you've been browsing the web and the thing, at the minute, there's nothing but stories about how. Apple has only sold half of the iPhone 10s they expected, and oh, it's doom and it's a disaster. And it, I don't believe any of it. I don't believe any of that. All this stuff about the half you know, the product for double the half the products for double the profit. well, that's not even yeah. that. That's not even that, is it, Mark? They're saying it's all based on this. Oh, Apple are cutting back on um, you know in orders for components. Supply well, chain. Well, of course they are. The iPhone 10 is now what three to four months from probably being made, you know, downgraded Absolutely. or possibly obsoleted altogether. I quite suspect that the iPhone 10 is going to be a sort of an anniversary special and it won't be shifted down to the next level. It will be discontinued. And the Apple... I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that we're going to have different product lines. I think you're going to have the 10 series, whatever they end up doing or calling it, which will have the OLED display oh, and yeah, the home point. button. And then you'll also have home button for probably one more generation on the down the down models, right? Yeah. So the 8 Plus and the 8 are going to stay in the line. They'll just drop down to the next price point. So if the next one's called 9, I think it'll be more like the 10 than the 8. Oh, yeah. What I'm saying, when I when I say the 10 will be discontinued, I, I, I don't mean, I mean in the same way as the 5 disappeared, in that that exact model will not live on. As a as a lower cost option, I think that that Maybe. that Maybe. model. I don't know if they're going to do a lower cost OLED for a while. <laughs> no, but they I think could... OLED might be their premium line for yeah, at least but a they, couple generations. I, I personally, and this is only my personal opinion, is that come the release of the new iPhones, the current Model Ten will be discontinued and vanish, and that there will be some new iPhones, and there will be a a new ten high end model and then there will maybe be you know maybe there'll be a 10 style lcd model i don't know and and maybe probably a home button eight or nine yeah i just i don't know i just get the impression that the the 10 might not linger as a as a model i'm sure that going forward all iphones are going to be developed on the 10 style in the same way as the you know i just feel it's a bit like the original mac uh macbook air that you know it came out it was a it was the first iteration i mean the original macbook air was shockingly expensive it was a prestige piece but within a few years the macbook air was the budget line and a lot of people and myself included find it very attractive at 9.99 yeah so, I, I as soon as as soon as the price came down to reasonable price, I bought one as a second computer. My main computer is a MacBook Pro, so technically I don't need a laptop, but I wanted the 11 inch to just run around the house with. Yeah, you know. And for 9.99, it wasn't you know to me that's a lot better than it used to be. I used to have to buy a Mac Pro and two monitors and then a laptop, and today it's just so much easier to add a laptop to whatever you're doing because of the iCloud and Dropbox stuff. 
I don't have to worry about do I have the right file with me when I run around. Exactly. Oh, definitely. Uh, I I live in the cloud. What's out? We can round this out. I I threatened this question uh, before we went live, live, not just semi-live. What is the oldest bit of Mac tech that you've got, and what's your newest bit, preferably in use? Okay, let's see. Oldest bit of Mac tech around. Well, Mac slash Apple, I should say. Yeah. Well, I've <laughs> I've got a, a like iPhone 3GS. I've got an iPod click wheel. I've got I don't have any old computers. I uh, I wish I had kept every computer I ever owned, but <laughs> I tend to sell them off after a couple of years while they still have some value. So I don't have an old Mac Plus in a box with a manual in my closet or anything <laughs> like that. Um, what else do I have that's really old? I've been using the same uh, Tapco studio monitors for audio for 12, 13, 14 years. Oh, I mean, if you've got good studio them. monitors, you don't replace them, right? Nope, nope. So they've been connected for probably 15, 12 to 15 years. Oh, my uh, my headphones that I'm using, not, uh, yeah, the Sony, the Sony, what are these called? The V600s, MDR V600s, the ones that you see uh, so often as the disc jockey headphone. Those are 15 years old. <laughs> but they're not really a Mac thing. I've got one hard disk here that's probably 15 years old. Wow. Let's do uh, the, well. the, enclo- the enclosure, I believe I've replaced the disc at least ah, once. So it's a, bit of a, it's a bit of a trigger's broom then. Yeah, I don't have that much old stuff. Uh, you know, the other thing is we have a really great user group here, and about once a year they have a swap meet. So I generally take all of the stuff that's just taking up space that I don't expect to ever use again to the swap meet and get rid of it. <laughs> well, last time I just dumped it there and said, I'm donating this. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> and I left. I said, here, you guys do what you want with it and you take put, the it. Money in, put the money into the bank. That's it. Uh, well, while we're on the, on the uh, kind of retro mode, there's a story here, um, and you were talking about it before we uh, started the show. Uh, Bob, and that's the General Magic documentary sheds light on Apple's spin-out glorious failure. Uh, this was on the cult of Mac. Um, apparently, there's a documentary about General Magic. Um, I'm hoping this is, becomes uh, freely available, uh, you know, widely available later in the year. Um, but you were telling me that you did some work with General Magic. Um, and I yes. guess we should probably <laughs> explain who General Magic even were, because a lot of uh, listeners might not even know who the General Magic were. Well, General Magic was a... Uh, uh... A spin-out thing. Um, they kind of were a bunch of ex-Apple guys and uh, pretty pretty high profile. Bill yeah. Atkinson, Andy Hertzfeld, uh, I think uh, Andy Rubin, uh, who later I, I think invented uh, the Palm or something. I don't know. There were a bunch of really smart people there, well, and it yeah. was funded. It was funded with huge money. The idea was it was a mobile communicator. It was called Magic. I think the thing was called Magic Cap, but the, the that might have been the name of the operating system and the device was called something else. But I had prototype devices and I got to talk to them pretty regularly about, you know, what features were going to be in the shipping thing. And I, I'm looking, but I think I wrote a good part of it before the project was canceled. Why was the project canceled? Well, because Magic, Mag, General Magic was canceled. they ran out of money and and you know it was like one day they were about to ship this thing that was like the newton on steroids um and and more and the next day they were 
they you couldn't even buy them on eBay. You know, they I don't think they ever came out and sold commercially. They might have for a very short time. And I bet somewhere in my in my archives somewhere I might have that device. <laughs> Well, anyway, there's, uh, yeah, what's it say here? Uh, General Magic, uh, are you familiar? If you're not and you're a fan of tech history, you should you should be. It's a cutting-edge start, startup. It was founded by Andy Hertzfeld, Bill Atkinson, and other veterans of the original Mac team. Um, one of the most exciting tech companies of the 1990s before it all came crashing down. Um, a new documentary is set to debut at the 17th Tribeca Film Festival. Um Tony Fidel worked there, apparently. Um, John Scully yeah. worked there. Um, it was a yes, it was. It was a kind of um, it says here a, a communicator. Uh, yes, digital mobile communicator. communicator. Whether well, I don't remember if it ever. I remember the buzz endlessly, but you know, General Magic was in all the magazines, talked about endlessly. Um, whether or not they ever made a, a, a saleable product, I don't remember. But then it all horribly crashed and burned and uh, so yes the uh a well-remembered piece of uh history for something that never came to anything so i'm looking forward to that hopefully that will be uh, available later in the year you know for everybody to get hold of. i hope i hope it's on netflix or or uh, amazon prime or something that i actually get because yep. <laughs> i want to see that one that, that that looks very very good um so that was uh, that was that story. Uh, what else have we got? Well, you know what? I think what time? I think we've been going for a while now. I'm sure Doctor Bob's got a bit of a, a Sunday to look forward to. For oh, some I'm sure reason. he has. He's recorded for thirty minutes, so mine the editing's going to be fun. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. We I think we've been going long enough, so let's start wrapping up. I think so. Doctor Bob, this is the time. Give us one more shill of your website. Where can they find you? And if you want to just tell everyone about your special code as well. Uh, and then we can just... <laughs> sure. All right. So uh, you can go to workingsmarterformacusers.com to find out more about the Working Smarter stuff, the book, and the courses. And you can use the code SAVE60 until April 1st to save 60% on either course. The shorter course on efficiency, which is part one of the bigger course, which has three parts. Uh, discount works on either of them, lasts till April 1st working smarter for Mac users.com or if it's easier to remember and you know how to spell levitas boblevitas.com which redirects to working smarter for Mac users.com also dr bob thank you ever so much for giving up some time to come on the show on a sunday uh and hopefully the south by southwest won't be too traumatic simon if they want to get a hold of you how can they do so good sir uh, well, the easiest way to get hold of me, of course, as usual, is on the Twitter, and I'm at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Or you can email me at essentialapple at sudomail.com. Awesome. And if you want to, you can get a hold of the show. We've got a Twitter, so we are thinking maybe of trying to get people into our Slack. Well, we want people in a Slack room, but we might give Discord a go with a few people. So if that interests you, or you want to just ask a question to the show, or get us to look at something, or you've got some news that we want to cover, then all you can do is go into your Twitter, at Essential Apple, and we will pick it up, and we'll respond as soon as we can. And of course, we've got our beloved website, EssentialApple.com. So, Dr. Bob... Uh, Levitus, Levitus. Levitus almost got there to the end thank you ever so much for joining us again this week and we will see you next week bye bye everybody Cheerio. cue the theme music uh, yeah we haven't got any outro <laughs> well we have actually 
the Essential Apple Podcast. Goodbye and thank you for listening. Yeah. So you've just you've thrown the whole show out now. It's We're having to do something different. <laughs> oh, dear. Let's just... There you go. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks again. I'll, thanks again. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, then. Cheers. Cheers. Bob. Take it right, easy. Thank you. Bye. Bye. And uh, whoever's listening, goodbye. We are part of the MyMac.com podcasting network, where you can find such excellent shows as Guy and Gaz on the MyMac show, Tim and David on the Tech Fan show, The Three Geeky Ladies, The Geekiest Show Ever, uh, the excellent Bart Bouchotts with his Let's Talk, The Club Nintendo, and many, many more. Hi, I'm Bart Bouchotts, host of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. Every month I gather together a panel of Apple followers and we digest the month's Apple news. Our aim is to step back and take a 40,000 foot view of all things Apple. We're the perfect complement to the many great daily news shows out there. Listen and subscribe at www.letstalk.ie No worries. You know, when you get to the general magic thing, here's an interesting anecdote. I had a contract to write a book about general magic and I worked on it for a year. And And then... then <laughs> yep. Well, General Magic shut down and the book was canceled, but it was pretty much written. I had gotten to go out there and meet those guys a couple times. I got to uh, got to uh, have beta devices or alpha devices. I had about three of them over the course of writing the book. So I'm one of the few people that actually used one. Of course, the ones I had were uh, incomplete, <laughs> to say the least. But uh, there's not many people that have hands-on experience with a general magic, whatever they called it. Magic cap, magic cap. Magic cap, wasn't it? Yeah, magic cap, I think. That might have been the operating system. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, perhaps you're right. Yeah. I forget what the hardware was called. Sony manufactured it, I think. Anyway, it's interesting that, you know, I've forgotten all about that. And somewhere on my hard disk, I probably have the manuscript for that (laughs) unfinished book. In all your backups. I'm sure. I'm just having a look at this magic cap on Wikipedia. Yeah. Blimey. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, boys. Shall we we get started? Um, Let's do it.